say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who went. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who went. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have each and every one of you here with me. Now, for the benefit of those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Great terrestrial radio stations across the country, you know, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Uh, Time of the live broadcast happens to be June 2nd, 2022. And, uh, you know, not like there's any shortage of things going on, is there? Okay, let's, let's jump right in. This is Thursday, time of the live broadcast. And tonight... A little bit earlier today, uh, we we got a speech from barely there Beijing Biden. Uh, you know the the guy who's still randomly shuffling about D.C. occasionally, uh, thinking that he's the president of the United States. Strangely enough, he seems to have been installed. Uh, anyway, good old Joe, handsy, feely, creepy Uncle Joe. Yep. He did exactly what we expected he would do, exactly what he had already been doing to a degree, uh, exactly what a lot of other Democratic office holders have been doing, exactly what a lot of 
pundits and television talking heads and, of course, Hollywood celebrities have been doing it. And yes, yes, boys and girls, quite possibly people that you know, people that are in your social media newsfeed circles, they acquiesced to the idea that somehow disarming the American law-abiding citizen would make them safer. No real concern as to whether or not it makes you safer. Yes, indeed, Joe Biden was calling for the clapping down on Americans and their constitutionally protected, God-given Second Amendment rights during his little speech that he gave. Of course, using the Uvalde, Texas tragic shooting as the backdrop, the reason, the rationale, he decided to come out and tell everybody, and, and you have to listen, you have to believe Joe when he says, Quote, this isn't about taking away anyone's rights. Yet that's exactly what he started talking about with everything on his list. He started rattling off the entire list of ways that he does indeed want to take away people's Second Amendment, constitutionally protected, God-given rights. The right to self-defense. The right to own and bear arms specifically mentioned. Biden, of course, was calling for the banning of semi-automatic long rifles. You know, the ones that are extremely popular here in the United States, much like the AR-15. And psst, by the way, lefties, AR does not stand for automatic rifle. If I hear one more person say that, one more learned, knowledgeable expert on the topic say that, I just... I'm, going to pull a little bit of hair out of my head that I have left. Just ugh, These people are such experts. They certainly know way more about how we, the little people, should be living our lives. It's just so knowledgeable. They know everything so much more than we do. He said that he would like to ban high-capacity magazines. Only you and I both know that when a Democratic office holder, a political leftist of any kind in, the, in this country says high-capacity magazines. They're literally talking about anything that holds more than five rounds. Now, I don't know about you, but you know I have some 10-round magazines, and that, that is not even close to the high-capacity capability of what I have here. I mean – most of the magazines I have do three times the that 10. And those, those are still not the ones I would like to have. I just haven't uh, invested. Yes. They also want to enact red flag laws. You know, the laws that strip Americans of due process. And, and of course, they want to start going after gun manufacturers again because if they can't stop Americans from owning firearms, then they're going to go the Canadian tyrannical route. Yes, I'm looking at you, Justin Trudeau. And just put a cap on the market, you see. They're going to make it impossible for gun manufacturers, manufacturers, English is my first language, I swear. They're going to make it impossible for gun manufacturers to continue to do business. That's what they want to do. They want to disarm us. They want to disarm all of us. Why? Because that will make them safer. Why do they feel the need 
to disarm the normally law-abiding American public in order for them to feel safer. What are their motivations? What are their plans that they need us disarmed? Quick look at history tells you what most governments typically do after disarming their citizens. But I digress. I'm going to backtrack. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling saucy because I'm tired of having this argument, quite honestly. I'm getting angry. I'm literally feeling like going on a rant and calling people names, and that's not normally how I conduct this. That's not normally how I feel about it. You, you guys know I like being that, that hopeful, positive show host. You know, I, I'm sitting here trying to, to reach out to people. I'm the one that keeps trying to remind all of you that it's our responsibility to do the messaging and the outreach. That That's me. I'm not the name caller. But then I hear Joseph Robin at Biden Jr. saying things like, quote, we need to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21 and strengthen the background checks. Well, yeah, okay, maybe you should strengthen the background checks. Maybe you should conduct them on a fairly consistent basis. Maybe, maybe you should try enforcing the laws that already exist, and I'll... I'll expand upon that here in a little bit, but there are plenty of laws on the books that we have permitted governments and municipalities and states to to levy, that we have tolerated, that we've tried to seem reasonable while they try to limit our God-given constitutionally protected rights. And yet none of these laws really seem to change anything. Now, I'm open to the conversation about raising uh, the legal age to purchase firearms to 21. I'm open to that. But you see, I have a caveat. Because if you're going to do that, and, and I'm pretty certain that I'm not the first person or the only person to suggest this, but uh, I tend to agree with this idea. If you're going to treat... 18-year-olds, like they are no longer of legal age of personhood and adulthood, uh, then it, that should be the way you treat them across the board, not just for owning a firearm, not just for legally purchasing alcohol, not just legally purchasing cigarettes and other tobacco products, which is something they kind of stealthily did not too long ago. But for everything across the board, uh, you can't serve in the military until you're 21. You can't vote until you're 21. You can't do any of the other things you expect adults to do until you turn. Just do it all the way across the board. Be consistent because, you know, that is the biggest thing that's missing from our public policy debate right now is some freaking consistency. Now, from my days, many, many, and I say many moons ago, being an athlete, I can tell you the one thing that coaches really want from their, uh, from their athletes is consistency. Now, they'll take a big-time breakout uh, performance. 
They're more than happy to get those. But what they want in order to be able to count on you is consistency. Then when I transitioned into coaching, I learned a greater appreciation for why you want consistency of performance. Because then you know exactly who you can count on and when you can count on them and what you can count on them for, right? Consistency is big. Now that whole mindset then further carried over once I moved into my professional career and became a part of management in various situations and was required to you know, manage people and occasionally even be involved with the hiring process, conduct interviews, and then see those performances, do the performance reviews, all those glorious, glorious things that managers get to do. And again, there is great appreciation for consistency, even if that is uh, consistently not so great. Because even then, at least then, you know what you can expect. You know what you're going to get, and you can plan accordingly. And if you get a better-than-expected performance, hey, great. But the likelihood of you getting a less-than-expected performance is pretty slim. Consistency is important. Now, that doesn't work just one way. That's just how I learned to uh, garner a certain level of appreciation for consistency of performance. It works the other way, too. It works from those who are supposed to be managing, those who are supposed to be executives, those who are supposed to be commander-in-chiefs, those who are supposed to be in a position of authority and ordinarily would also be of respect. Consistency is important there, too. When you have an elected leader, you should expect consistent behavior. And the problem with that, if you're looking at folks on the left, is consistency is difficult because there are so many juxtapositions within the desired public policy that it's it's nearly impossible to be consistent. People legitimately asked me the question, why do you and so many other conservative commentators keep referencing 1984 so often? Why do you keep talking about George Orwell like he was some kind of prophet? Well, because when you have inconsistent public policy, when you have huge flaws in logic that literally create The juxtaposition between uh, believe all women, but we can't define what a woman is. uh, Sex is just a uh, social construct, but uh, men can be women and, and, and men are women if they identify that way. And yet women are a real thing. We, we just wait, where, where did we fall in the circle? Uh, Hello. When you have that level of inconsistency of just thought, then you start to see, thanks to the cancel culture, this mindset that you don't really, if you happen to be a political leftist, you don't really want to get, I don't know, some level of, 
what's what's a good word here? I, you're not really looking for people to agree with you. You're looking for people to swear fealty to you. You're looking for people to bend the knee to you. You're looking for people to agree and parrot and mimic and verbatim continue to spout out the same insanity stuff that you've just spouted out no matter how contradictory the thing you're saying right now was to the thing you said five seconds ago. And because that's what it appears to be that you're actually asking for if you're a member of the political left, that's why so many conservatives who have read George Orwell, who have read 1984, look at the Ministry of Truth and recognize, eh, you know, this is kind of the 2 plus 2 equals 5, and, and you say that that's true because that's what the state says? Well, that's kind of what it feels like, guys. That's why we're treating Orwell like a prophet. And I'm still having these conversations on multiple occasions where I'm having to remind people that it was meant to be a warning, not a roadmap. It was not meant to be a how-to manual. And every time, every time I make the comment in regards to if you give these people an inch, they prove that a mile is nowhere near enough. They, they not that long ago were fighting in incrementalism, but it seems like they have completely lost their patience since the election of Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama. They decided that it was time to go faster and faster. They felt like this is where they win it all, that there's never going to be another Republican hold office. And even if there is a Republican, it's going to be one of their kind of Republicans, the ones that they call moderates, the ones that most people like myself call rhinos, a Republican in name only. But when it comes down to it, their political philosophy does not mesh with the ideas of conservatism. It doesn't mesh with the ideas of constitutionalism and certainly not originalism when it comes to the Constitution. And again, I find myself having to say the Constitution proper and the first ten amendments, better known as the Bill of Rights. That as a document, that's, that's, that's holy. It's divinely inspired. I do not concede anything other than a divinely inspired document that was intended. That as long as we followed it, as long as we kept through, as long as we maintained our covenant, that that would keep us free. The reason I stop at the first ten is because those were the ten they debated the same people that framed the Constitution in the first place. They're the ones who fought, argued, even over whether or not to even have the first Ten Amendments, to have a Bill of Rights. They're like, well, if, if we list these some point in the future, they're going to start saying, well, these are really the only ones you have, and government gets to decide. No, that's not the point. They ultimately decided to have the Bill of Rights because they wanted people to understand that these, these specifically enumerated items are of such import 
to the basic founding fundamental principles that would keep a nation free, that would keep the people of this nation free, that they must under no circumstance be allowed to be monkeyed with. Am I allowed to say monkeyed with? Is that somehow? I, I feel like somehow you can't even say the word monkey anymore, that, that that's just a cancelable offense regardless of the context. I just – anyway, let me slide back to this topic because now I've found myself meandering down the, the rabbit hole again. But uh, – Biden said literally raising the age needed to buy firearms would not uh, would not be that big of a deal. That it's something they should do. I, quite honestly, at this point, why aren't we raising the legal age to drink alcohol to 36? When you look at statistically the number of the, the biggest age groups for uh, drunk driving incidents – which, by the way, more people are killed by drunk drivers every year than by AR-15s. Actually, all rifles combined in the United States. You go worldwide, it gets a little trickier. But the, the flip side of that particular coin, however, is that raising the age, the legal age to buy firearms on your own to 21, uh, it would not have stopped nine out of the last ten Worst mass shootings in U.S. history. All of the shooters, except for two, were 21 years or older. And then of the two who were under 21, one of them, the man responsible for Sandy Hook, that shooting, well, they stole the weapons that he used from his parents. So the parents still legally obtained the firearms. They were over 21. So it wouldn't have stopped nine out of the ten. Biden, of course, has politicized this recent tragedy, as all Democrats are apt to do. We, we see it immediately before the bodies are cold. Democrats are in front of cameras, in front of microphones, and on social media threads. Hey, look, this is not the reason why we can't trust the average American citizen to take care of themselves, even though – what you just saw is actually a pretty good reason why there should be more gun ownership, not let. The stats don't lie. Where you have more gun ownership per capita, you have less violent crimes of all kinds. And the inverse is also true. Wherever there is less gun ownership per capita, wherever gun ownership is more restrictive, there is always more violent crime of all kinds. But yes, politicizing this tragedy, attacking Republican lawmakers while his administration continues to struggle to manage uh, all of the crises that we're currently experiencing, most of which they created under the uh, – presumably will we'll be diplomatic here and call it leadership of his administration, although quite honestly it's anything but leadership and – Quite honestly, the definition of the opposite of leadership, 
I mean, just look around. We've got the crisis at the southern border. We've got uh, literally baby formula shortage that is uh, continuing to draw on even at a point where there is no rational explanation for why uh, that has not been solved at this point. Skyrocketing inflation, soaring fuel costs, on and on and on. And the thing about the fuel costs and the inflation is – how is this not by design? I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you that same adage that I, I know you've heard other people say, but you've heard me say this before, I, and I at least used to believe it to be the case. I much easier believe in competence as opposed to malice when it comes to political actors. At least I used to. But then there are still certain things that when you see it, you can't help but believe it has to be intentional. Because once they see the effects of what they're doing, once they see the effects of the very bad public policy, rather than correct course, They'll lie to you. They'll double down and say, well, we're just not trying hard enough. And then they'll occasionally say little things that kind of give away the game. It's like we're in the middle of a major transition. And once we get through the other side of this transition, we'll be so much stronger. But will we, Joe? Will we, Do you honestly think that we're ready to go solar and wind? Is the technology truly there. You're warning us right now about rolling blackouts that are coming this summer. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing you need to be warning us about if you weren't planning on it happening. And you're planning on it happening because you're not planning on changing course. You see that's the direction we're going. You know that's what's going to happen. And yet here we are. Doubling down. And now, of course you want to disarm the American public because what happens when the good-hearted, usually law-abiding American patriots finally get pushed past their breaking point? And, and Joe, I, I don't know who's advising you. I don't know how far out of the loop you are on this, but you're getting really, really close. A new poll just came out. Same question has been asked before, but we've got the highest numbers uh, of scariness yet. 44% of self-identifying Republicans believe we are now headlong on course for a hot civil war in this country. And that's not even the scariest part because better than 50% of self-identifying Democrats – say that they believe it's perfectly acceptable to assassinate individuals that they feel are a threat to their idea of democracy. I wish I was making that up. I'm not. So if you think that you're doing the right thing, Joe, I, I can't help you. you. You are too far gone and... For all of the platitudes, 
that the left keeps bestowing upon you in an effort to massage your ego and make you feel like you're not uh, slipping off the deep end. And then for all the wisecracks and jokes and serious concern about your mental capacity that conservatives have been saying forever, if you honestly believe right now that you're doing the right thing, then clearly either one or two things has happened. You're crazier than anybody thinks, or you have lost your capacity for remembering the past 50 years because you have been in D.C. long enough to see exactly the failure, the policies you've been pushing all along have been. How do you think putting those policies on steroids are going to work out? Uh, Spoiler, you don't have to wonder. Take a look around. Step outside of the D.C. bubble, Joe. Spend some time in a place like Uvalde, Texas, but hang around with nobody knowing that it's you. See what real people are dealing with. Ah, Or better yet, how about you go someplace else that didn't just have this ridiculous tragedy that's being blown up in the media and blown up by politicians to try and push the agenda of disarming the public. Again, I I said earlier, if if you just enforce the laws that currently exist, probably would go a long way towards uh, solving some of these issues. You you want red flag laws? I think some some red flag laws might not be that bad if they're carefully written. The problem is I have yet to see a red flag law that is written carefully enough that it just doesn't flat out remove due process from people. And in some places like, oh, let's say New York, yeah, just picking the state of New York because, I don't know, seems like I remember hearing uh, a few weeks ago about some uh, guy who decided to shoot up a grocery store in Buffalo. Seems like in a state that has pretty serious, pretty widely written red flag laws, had the opportunity to have this shooter evaluated, which he was, could have had his weapons taken from him then and could have followed the process legally, and yet they didn't because they didn't follow through. They didn't enforce the law. They didn't follow through with the law, and if that's how you're going to administer the law, you don't care about public safety. You care about control. You're going to exercise it when you feel like you need to. But this guy in New York, he was one of you until he embraced white supremacy. So does it work? No, it doesn't work. But what else would you expect from Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. when Joe is making these calls for restricting the rights of law-abiding Americans the whole time that his son, Hunter, has been accused of committing a felony? Well, well, what kind of felony are you talking about? Are you talking about money laundering in Ukraine? Well, no, I'm not talking about that. Oh, are you talking about uh, where he's uh, funneling cash uh, through his art into mysterious? No, not talking about that. I mean, and some of that may very well be felonies and possibly worse. Could be treasonous. If we were to dig deep enough into the facts, could very well be the case, but... What I'm talking about is an event that we know happened. 
You see, he's been accused of committing a felony by lying on a background check. See, he lied on a background check form in order for him to illegally purchase a firearm. Hunter Biden lied on a form 4473 so that he could illegally purchase a gun, a felony punishable by 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. He illegally purchased this firearm, and his girlfriend at the time took that uh, firearm and dumped the gun in a trash can next to his school. By the time the girlfriend admitted where she had thrown the gun, they went back to check on it. The gun was gone. The state troopers came along. Did they arrest Hunter? No, because they knew who Hunter was. And more importantly, they knew he was Joe's son. So he wasn't even arrested. So why do you want to pass a whole bunch of new laws when you don't enforce the existing laws? I mean, shouldn't we at least attempt enforcing the ones that exist currently before you ask for new ones? I mean, these allegations, uh, and I hate that we're even having to use the word allegation here because we're pretty sure it happened. But hey, if you can't get journalistic integrity from the people who claim to be journalists, I guess we should try it here. The allegations uh, that Hunter Biden committed this act of lying on his background check, well, it stems from an October 2018 incident between Hunter and Haley Biden. That was the wife of Hunter Biden's dead brother, Bo. You know, the one that Joe keeps bringing up every time that somebody has been killed or somebody has died, and he's trying to sound like he empathizes, but really he's just trying to turn every tragedy he sees into something that's about him. We're talking about Bo Biden's widow, who became Hunter Biden's girlfriend, dated his brother's widow. Then later fathered a child with a stripper, of course, while he was living with Haley Biden. Now, that's a child that's not welcome uh, to any of the family reunions, by the way. Now, Haley is the one that alleged, uh, allegedly took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, which then prompted an investigation from law enforcement officials who were concerned because the trash can was close to a high school. Haley Biden returned to retrieve the firearm only to find it was missing. Yeah, all these things happened. Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale, at least according to two people, one of whom has firsthand knowledge of the episode, and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. This was all reported in Politico, by the way. The gun store owner refused to supply the paperwork, suspecting that the Secret Service officers wanted to hide Hunter's ownership of the missing gun in case it were to be involved in a crime. This, again, according to the two people. The owner, 
uh, Ron uh, Palmera. He later on turned over the papers to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which is supposed to be the folks that oversee federal gun laws. Now, the report also noted that the Secret Service agents at the agency's offices in Wilmington, Delaware, would unofficially help manage Joe Biden's security and that the agency does not have any official record of the incident. Gee, wonder why. Now, lying on the ATF form, the 4473, that is a felony. You can get up to 10 years in prison and as high as a $250,000 fine. That much is a certainty. Haley Biden told Hunter Biden what she did, at which point he told her to retrieve the firearm. When she returned to the store to get the firearm out of the trash, it was missing. The Delaware State Police and the FBI responded to the scene to investigate and questioned Hunter Biden. Such interesting questions. A copy of the police report said that Hunter Biden became very agitated when he was asked if the firearm had been used to commit a crime. Well, actually, me just getting it was a crime. When Hunter Biden was asked if he was doing drugs or drinking, Hunter responded by saying that Haley Biden was concerned about him being mentally unstable, saying that she was concerned that he was going to commit suicide. That was his cover story when he was asked about the situation. Now that leads me to a very serious question. How is it that Hunter Biden gets to just make that statement and then the local police, the state police, and the FBI all just look the other way. I think we know. And I think that that should disqualify anybody with the last name Biden and pretty much anybody with a D at the end of their name for having a single word to say about whether or not I, as a law-abiding citizen, get to own a firearm. And if they want to talk about the safety of the children, my kids are safer because I own a firearm. My kids are safer because I spend enough time shooting them that I am reasonably proficient. I spend enough time practicing that I know what I'm doing. I spend enough time so that I'm not an expert, but I am certainly not somebody who's going to randomly pick up a gun and think I'm Dirty Harry. That's a pretty good first step. My children are also safer because I teach them respect of the tool that these firearms are. You must respect the tool and you must respect the intention that the founders had when they put together the wording for the Second Amendment. You have to understand enough legalese to know the difference between a preamble and the actual phrase itself. This whole hullabaloo about the part that says, uh, in order to maintain a well-regulated militia, 
you you have to ignore a lot of history and a lot of the meaning and the intent at the time to get to any place other than the militia at that time was literally every citizen over 18. Well, actually, it was pretty much any citizen who was old enough to fire a gun uh, with reasonable accuracy. But the point of the matter is, in legal speak, all that is part of the preamble to the actual Second Amendment itself. It's a descriptor as to why they felt it necessary to spell this out. It's like the preamble to the Constitution itself. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, that's not the pre, that is that's not the Constitution. That is the preamble to the Constitution. It's explaining to you why did we decide to uh, enumerate very specific powers to each branch of the government? Why did we decide to divide the government? Why did we do these things? It's a preamble, and again, the well-regulated militia part of the Second Amendment is a preamble. So it's a moot point. You can argue about, oh, well, that was always meant to be military. No, no, we didn't have a standing military at that point in our history. And most of the founders and the framers, they didn't like the idea of having a standing military, just like they didn't like the idea of having official police because they were concerned that the government, whatever form it took, would use those standing forces that were going to be armed and trained at the behest of the government would use them to enforce the government's will rather than to protect and serve the citizens of the country. Ah, good grief. All right, so I've got to circle back around here because it is well past time for the mid-hour break. Uh, so... With that being said, let me go ahead and do that right now. You guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this very brief break. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Renowned globalist and leftist influencer Bill Gates bankrolled hundreds of media outlets to the tune of more than $319 million. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. According to Minute Press, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has generously funded leftist media outlets both here in the United States and abroad, primarily in Europe and Africa, where Gates is famously accused of allegedly working to render Africans less able to reproduce. Gates has generously bestowed NPR with $24 million. Cascade Public Media has received over $10 million from Gates and CNN. They've been gifted with well over $3 million from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm. Der Spiegel of Germany has been granted the handsome amount of almost $5.5 million. 
The media recipient list of Bill Gates' generous media donations is too long to complete at this time, but it must be nice to simply buy media influence all over the world. Hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience talk show times via theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Let's talk about guns purely from a self-defense perspective. How many people are there in America? Well, if you said just over 300 million, you're correct. It's closer to 325 million. Now, let me ask you this. How many acts of violence are there per year in America? Well, if you said just over 1 million, you're correct. It's approximately 1.2 to 1.3 million. So if there are just over 300 million people in America and just over 1 million acts of violence occurring in America every year, what are your chances of being the victim of one of those attacks? Well, if you said 1 in 300, you're correct. I don't know about you, but I don't like those odds. I know your odds might change depending on where you live, but if you live in an area with less crime, wouldn't that make someone else's odds go up? I mean, the number of people in America didn't change. And the number of violent attacks per year didn't change. Some of the highest crime rates in America are in Democrat-run cities where there are the strictest and most restrictive gun laws in the country, putting good people at risk because they can't defend themselves. The anti-gun left and anti-freedom groups like the Everytown Gun Grabbers continue to paint a dishonest picture of guns in America by telling you that guns cause violence. This is why they push the term gun violence. It's to help people who aren't paying attention believe that if we were to remove guns, the violence would magically go away. The truth is, not having a gun is more likely to make you a victim of violence. Two and a half million times per year in America, guns are used to save lives. This doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. And by the way, 46% of those defensive gun uses are by women. The more guns are restricted, the more people are put at risk. The people who try to scare you and convince you that guns are the problem ignore the fact that we're all potential for being a 1 in 300 statistic. The people who ignore this are the same people who will purchase a lottery ticket with a 1 in 20 million chance of winning. They ignore the facts when pushing their agenda, and they know the odds that they're creating are dangerous. Human violence in America is not an argument for more gun restrictions. It's an argument for more guns in the hands of good people. So regardless of how desperate the anti-gun left is to disarm Americans, we've found a simple and effective way to defend yourself from violent attacks, rapes, carjackings, or shootings. Shoot back. Anti-gun hypocrisy has run rampant because of a dishonest media and an anti-gun political party that's willing to sacrifice our great American values, put good people at risk, and destroy cities with unnecessary violence just so they can gain political power. It's time we understand their strategy so we can defeat them. Our founding fathers saw these tyrants coming over 200 years away. That's why the Second Amendment was written. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. 
You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. All right, look out is right. We are going action-packed headlong into the craziness of the upcoming weekend, by the way. Which reminds me, if you are listening to this show on Terrestrial Radio, that means you're hearing the rebroadcast, and that means that it's Friday. Uh, So hour number two that comes up right after this first hour on the podcast, well, that's going to be bonus content for you. You're going to have to come find the podcast so you can listen to hour number two, and I hope you will because we have some more important topics to discuss. Before we do that, though, I do have one more topic to sneak in for this hour, and before I do that, would like to remind you that, uh, well, it's time to go outdoors, at least for the moment, and if you're going to do this, I would recommend you do it sooner rather than later because I am concerned things are going to start getting really, really scary out there, especially after about the second week of July and then headlong into the fall. It's going to get kind of scary. But if you're planning on trying to have any kind of outdoor fun whatsoever between now and then, something that you will have to have is a cooler. And if you're going to take a cooler with you, you might as well take the best. And you know who's doing the best at coolers right now? That's right. My friends over at Blue Coolers, you need to check out what they've got going on. They have added a new line of coolers that uh, will keep your ice uh, frozen for up to five days. So they're a little more lightweight. They're not as heavily insulated as their usual merchandise. So uh, price points are a little better, too. But here's the thing. I still would suggest going for the big mamma jammas. Get those blue coolers, the originals, those uh, roto-formed awesome coolers that will keep your eyes situated for up to 10 days. Sadly, we live in a time where if you have to go camp out, that might be uh, the difference between having food that's safe to eat and not. Uh, But at any rate, there are some things that sets the fine folks over at Blue Coolers apart from anyone else. Number one, when it comes to ice retention, they do have a series of the traditional early runs that will keep your ice retention up to 10 days. Number two, you do have a five-year manufacturer's warranty. You have fast shipping available once you place an order, and for most orders, uh, that shipping's typically free. You have unrivaled quality. They do have some brand new and improved features and designs. Makes the use even easier. You have a 90-day, 90-day money-back guarantee, but... In my mind, the biggest selling point of all for Blue Cooler is the fact that they offer to you the same quality or better than that other brand. You know, the the Himalayan uh, Sasquatch brand. You know the one I'm talking about. Those guys, they offer the same or better quality than those guys at 40% less than their cost. So top-of-the-line quality at nearly half the price. Yeah, Blue Coolers. Check it out. There's a link in today's show description that will take you there. Uh, Please, if wherever you're seeing that link, 
if the whole link isn't uh, live, then just uh, copy the whole link, paste it to your web browser, and go. That way, they know I'm the one that sent you. So the win-win of you getting a great product from Blue Cooler and Blue Cooler getting a great new customer, that being you, uh, moves from that win-win scenario for you guys to a win-win-win because then uh, they know I sent you, and that's a plus for the show. You get to help support the show, and it doesn't affect your price. What could possibly be better? Well, well you know, I can't think of very many ways. Uh, maybe Joe Biden not being in the – anyway. Uh Speaking of Joe Biden not being in the White House anymore, let's take a look at some things that might just impact the 2024 election. In case you were under a rock, some serious errors were committed by the Census Bureau. The Census Bureau study that was published in late May shows that Republican-leaning states were undercounted by statistically significant margins, while Democrat-leaning states were overcounted, again, by statistically significant margins. The census, which of course is mandated every 10 years, it was conducted during the pandemic. According to the Wall Street Journal editorial board, they highlighted the undercounting in late May in a piece uh, called Remember How Democrats Accused the Trump Administration of Trying to Rig the 2020 Census? Now, as Census Bureau study reveals that Republican-leaning states may have been hurt by mistaken undercounts. Now, um, you come across a story like this, and the first thing you can't help but wonder is, was it a mistake? Was it a mistake? Surely, surely it must be, right? We can trust the folks at the Census Bureau. We can trust everybody that works at the federal government. These guys are only there to make sure that our rights are protected, that our safety is ensured, and that we get to enjoy every ounce of personal liberty afforded to us as being sovereigns of this great nation, right? Right, I, I, I'm I'm right. right. No, no, may, maybe not. Seriously, yeah, I see this headline, and before I even get into reading the article, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, is it possible that this was actually a mistake? Is it possible that this was accidental? I mean, the circumstances seem pretty obvious. Uh, Typically, red states statistically undercounted. And why is this important, boys and girls? Because the number of congressional districts are based on the counting in the census. Now, we saw some places like California lose a few seats. We saw some states like Florida gain a couple of seats. So... It still seems to have worked out in favor of Republicans and conservatives uh, for certain areas. But if they intentionally miscounted like this and that still happened, what should we really be looking at? I, I can't believe that they even use the phrasing mistaken. We're talking about states that had large 
overcounts that included Hawaii, Delaware, Rhode Island, Minnesota, New York, Utah, Massachusetts, and Ohio. States that were undercounted significantly, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, Florida, Illinois, and Texas. Now, Illinois is typically kind of a purplish, slightly blue state. And then Utah, who were part of the overcounted, they're actually more conservative-minded, but you do see kind of a purplish tint to a lot of folks there. But the others, clear, deep blue. And then the other states that were undercounted, clear, deep red. In Florida, two additional congressional seats were expected to be added following the 2020 census. The state only gained one. But if the census had been properly counted, it would have gained two. Texas was undercounted by about 570,000 people, while New York was overcounted by 695,000. Now, the Wall Street Journal noted in this report, highlighting that, uh, quote, the inaccuracies may have cost Florida and Texas an additional House seat and given Rhode Island and Minnesota one they shouldn't have received. Uh, may have? Uh, it sounds like it did. New York might have also lost another House seat if the census were more accurate. So how did the Bureau get the count so wrong? Well, the Bureau blames the pandemic. Well, of course, you know, COVID-19, COVID did it. It's kind of hard to blame this one on Trump. So, you know, COVID did it. The 2024 elections will already be a close race. Maybe even one of the closest that we have seen in the modern age, certainly maybe even in all of history. Last week's Census Bureau announcement of the serious errors, well, that's going to impact the next decade's congressional appointments and delegations. The play is going to play a crucial role in the presidential race. And given the nature of the mistakes, Democrats could hang on to the presidency under particular controversial uh, circumstances. But then given how things turned out in the last presidential election, uh, controversial circumstances seems to be the order of the day, doesn't it? When I was talking briefly about this news story with my wife, she told me, don't you understand, Tim? And it's very rare she will take this tone with me when it comes to politics. It's like, don't you understand, Tim? They got away with cheating the last time. We're never going to have another legitimate election. And she meant it. She was, pa excuse me. She was passionate when she said it. I know she's not the only one who feels that way. I've had other conversations with folks that feel the same way, and that in is part of the problem. And it goes back to that violence and anger I was talking about earlier. Guys, be careful. You're pushing too far. In the meanwhile, uh, going to have to reset the hour for the purposes of rebroadcast on terrestrial radio. So I'm about to say goodbye for the weekend for some of you. Again, come find the podcast. Listen to the hour uh, that's coming up next. If you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Uh, hour number two starts right after this. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And uh, yeah, one last message for uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go. Let's go.
from a blue state plan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son to is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border And politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn new wet. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've got a big free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very happy to have each and every one of you here with me. Now, if you happen to be somebody that usually listens to the show on terrestrial radio, I do hope you took my advice and came and found the podcast so that you're getting to hear this, the second hour of today's broadcast. Otherwise, you're just you're missing out on a lot of cool stuff. Hey. And, you know, if you're one of the folks that listens to the podcast, be sure to let the other folks know. Okay, something that I uh, failed to bring up back in hour number one, uh, we are still looking to kind of do the promotion thing. We have copies of A.J. Rice's upcoming brand new book, The Woking Dead, going to be released at the end of July. If you want a chance to get a free copy of it, uh, the rules have been made clear. All you have to do is go on social media. 
platform of your choice as long as I have a personal presence or as long as the show has a presence. That means something like Twitter or Locals. And yes, Locals will count, but here's what you got to do. You need to share a link to either a specific individual broadcast here in podcast form or the actual show page on your favorite platform, whether it's iHeartRadio or Spotify or uh, Podomatic or, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you're listening over on the last frequency, uh, you don't have to do it there, but still go on to your favorite social media post and then say, hey, I listen at the last frequency. Share it. You can go to Facebook. The show and I both have a presence there. You can go to Twitter. Same thing. You can go to Truth Social. We are finally over there. You can go to Parlor. You can go to Cloud Hub. You can go to MeWe. Uh, you can even go to LinkedIn if you want to. That's fine. Uh, I do share some stuff over there and uh, share the, uh, the links to the shows. It's one of those uh, places where kind of, yeah, you can go to Minds.com. Uh, you know, there's there's lots and lots of places where I am. You know, even Gab and Spreely, even though those areas get a bad rap because, you know, they're true free speech zones and they they let it be the Wild West, which is kind of cool on one aspect. And then, of course, it's going to draw criticism on the other. I haven't run into very many of them. They're bad hombres. But every now and then I see one and they'll comment on something. It's like... Well, that's a hot take I didn't expect. But you know what? Again, free freaking speech. I believe in it, and uh, I'm okay with it. Anyway, uh, Spreely, Gab, uh, have I left anything out at this point? Uh, Getter, don't forget Getters. And uh, I would still very much like to invite each and every one of you to mosey on over to Locals.com and uh, sign up to be part of the Tap Into the Truth community. Uh, so far, not a lot of folks are uh, taking me up on that, trying to build a, a community there. Uh, locals, in association with Rumble, they, they've got this close-knit synergy going. And uh, definitely want to remind you to check that out. Uh, if you're somebody that listens on SoundCloud, let me throw out the SoundCloud folks. Now, we're going to have opportunities. The reason why I want you to share that and mention The Woking Dead, tag me or tag the show so that it shows up that way i can monitor it but the more you do that the more chances you will have to win a free copy of aj rice's new book now if you go over uh, and sign up to be part of the tap into the truth community at locals you'll get extra chances to win and if you actually join and sign up to be a uh, a supporter well, you'll get yet even more chances to win a free copy. So, you know, it's a great opportunity. Worst case scenario, you have uh, a show that you get to, to support and help keep going in these tough, tough, challenging times. I also want to thank some folks uh, who recently went and made some purchases over at Blue Cooler using the links in the show description. I uh, saw a, a little bit of an uptick uh, in uh, in the uh, cash flow over there. So, again, thank you guys who did that. And let me remind you, uh, Blue Coolers uh, is in today's uh, show link, uh, that description. And 
if you are listening on terrestrial radio, which of course you're not listening to hour number two, but if you're typically a listener over there, you also can come visit me over at the Tap into the Truth website. That being Tap into the Truth, T A P P into the Truth, all one word, dot com. Scroll down past, once you land on the homepage, scroll down past recent guests. And uh, then you will see banners and links and buttons and all kinds of cool stuff. I click on any of those, and that works just the same as using the complete link in the show description. Anyway, I guess that's enough housekeeping stuff. What do you say we get back into topic modes? I mean, there are things still to talk about, right? Of course there are. And one of the things that I need to talk about after having discussed how there was such a ridiculous miscount by the census the last time. Statistically significant undercounting in red states and statistically significant overcounting in blue states helped to preserve democratic power and electoral votes in Democratic regions for the upcoming 2024 presidential election. That's something to think about. They're claiming it's a mistake. I'm not so sure. I mean, I just, I have trouble believing. I have trouble buying into this being fraudulent. Uh, uh, I actually have a lot of uh, ease of believe it's fraudulent and I have trouble believing that uh, I should give them the benefit of the doubt, is what I should be saying. But, alas, that's not the only issue facing the country. You know, other than the crisis on the southern border and energy costs, which was a primary driver of initiating, you know, the match that lit the fire of this record-setting inflation. Baby formula shortages that should have been, uh, well... Leveled out by now, and yet doesn't really seem to be getting any better. Oh, yes, so many things going on. And the whole time we continue to get things crammed down our throats. Of course, I'm talking about woke values. Of course, I'm talking about companies like Disney, who have put out this preemptive idea that if you're going to criticize the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show because of a particular particular actress, well, then that just means you're racist. Never mind the fact that the character may be poorly written. Never mind the fact that the actress, who the actress in question, by the way, is a pretty good actress. I've seen her in some other stuff. I, she's really good. And I, unlike a lot of folks that I've heard commenting about it, I have uh, watched uh, the first two episodes of Kenobi, so I, I see the character and uh, the character, in, uh, the actress in question is playing a character that happens to be one of the Inquisitors. And I do kind of have some questions about the writing for the character at this point, but she's giving a good enough performance that you're probably going to come up and say, ooh, I hate that guy. Oh, in this case, a gal. But yeah, I, it's, it's June. It's Pride Month, right? I don't want to be presumptuous. <laughs> Heaven forbid. But, uh, yeah, I, she's still doing a good job with the material she has. Uh, it's, it's just, 
I don't get it. I evidently some trolls were sending her direct messages. Now, uh, if you're on Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong. In order to send and receive direct messages, don't you have to like get to this place of mutual following? I mean, you follow them, they follow you, and isn't that the case for direct messages on Twitter? Now, how surprising it is that some trolls said some annoying things. And that's the claim, right? That's the claim. Uh, even Ian McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, came out and said, the blah, 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 it, then you're just not Star Wars fans. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Ian. Uh, you may be playing the current role of one of the most iconic characters within the franchise, but I still don't think you get to decide who is and isn't a Star Wars fan. Sadly, Disney has not handled the Star Wars franchise particularly well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed what they did with The Mandalorian, at least certainly in Season 1, and I kind of liked Season 2 as well. I do not like how they handled Gina Carano. The Book of Boba Fett was an interesting take. Watch this not at home because after they fired Gina Carano, I, that was my breaking point with Disney. I was done. Uh, our Disney Plus subscription went out the window. So now I'm sneaking around <laughs> watching uh, Marvel content and Star Wars content on the platform at other people's houses if I'm going to catch it at all. And I have to admit, I was actually uh, excited to see what they were going to do with uh, the Obi-Wan series. I heard is technically time of the live broadcast being a Thursday night. I have not seen the newest episode yet. Uh, shows typically debut over there on Wednesdays now. They started out at being Fridays and they decided to to not continue the head-to-head -head release with some of the other streaming platforms, which is probably a good idea for the business model purposes. But anyway, I digress. This this preemptive calling everybody racist crap. Uh, I don't understand how it is that you possibly think that this is a good idea, except, of course, if you already know that you have done something that's crap. You know, and I get what they did with the Rose character in the sequel trilogy, the, the Ray and Finn and all that, the, the Rose character took a lot of heat. There was a whole lot of criticism about the Rose character because – she was very woke and clearly there to add woke content to the commentary instead of just telling a Star Wars story. And so there was heavy criticism, and rightfully so, because it, all the commentary she added was out of place. Very little of her storyline, very little of her character development belonged anywhere in a Star Wars story. It just, it just didn't belong. It didn't fit. It was forced in. It was literally the square peg that they were trying to push into the round hole. Kathleen Kennedy at her finest trying to ruin Star Wars for Star Wars fans. Thank goodness there are actually some actual Star Wars fans that are also over there at Disney. John Favreau, Mr. Filoni, some folks that actually understand how to tell Star Wars stories and are good at it. Thank you, gentlemen salvaging what could have continued to be a horrendous disaster. 
But I think we're uh, just not far enough in, although strangely enough, I think it's only like six episodes for the Obi-Wan story anyway. So technically, I guess we're halfway done. And I, like I said, I haven't seen the third episode yet, so I, I can't comment on it. But the whole preemptive thing, it's utterly ridiculous unless you understand that they already know people aren't going to be happy. But in this case, I don't know why anybody would be criticizing her performance unless they have a hard time separating the actor's performance from the direction and the writing. Because an actor, you can have the best actor or actress, period, and they still are only going to be as good as what's written for them and how the director wants the vision to reveal itself. So there are certain limitations. Now, I think with the material she's been handed and the way the direction has gone, she's doing the best she can. And I really think it's the writing more so than the direction because uh, a lot of the other performances have been very strong. So anyway, that's just my critique. Take it for what it's worth, which ain't much. But, uh, you know, each of their own. It's just Disney can't seem to get out of their own way with this. And it, it really just feels like uh, them saying, hey – Star Wars fans, we know you're all a bunch of racists. That's probably not a good way to win over new fans. But then Ian McGregor, he's – I typically really enjoy him as an actor. I have. But he just did a similar thing when the uh, Harley Quinn uh, movie came out, the Birds of Prey bit. And he just overreacted there too when folks criticized it for being a hot mess of – uh, women first feminism, which, by the way, it was just a hot mess of uh, irrational feminism and tropes. Uh, of course, Ian played Black Mask in the movie, the primary villain of the movie. And uh, he came out and said, well, if you criticize this, you're just a bigot. Uh, Ian, calm down. Uh, first of all, no, if you criticize this, it means you either A, are a fan of DC Comics and do not like this horrific misrepresentation of how these characters uh, have been portrayed previously. That doesn't mean you can't come out with something new and do something different. The fans are responsive to that kind of thing as long as, as the spirit of these characters are still in check. People didn't like the first Suicide Squad movie with uh, uh, Miss... Uh, Oh, uh, was it Robbie? I, now I'm struggling for the name, but Margot, uh, the, the the lady who plays the role of Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad movies, <laughs> Margot. I'm just, I'm drawing a blank on her name now, so I apologize. But anyway, uh, they loved her performance in the first Suicide Squad movie. They just didn't like the first Suicide Squad movie, and. You know, other than a few scenes, it was kind of a hot mess. Uh, a little too on the nose in some cases, especially Will Smith's line, uh, oh, so we're, we're some kind of suicide squad, huh? Uh, come on, guys. Stop with the lazy writing. That's the one thing DC still hasn't figured out, that at least Disney was smart enough to, uh, to let Marvel Studios fly on their own, and they let Marvel people tell Marvel stories. And at least for uh, most of Phase 1, 2, and 3, that worked really well. 
the fans still had some of the woke stuff smooshed into the sides, but they understood generally you were getting good Marvel stories. There's a lot of great DC stories to be told. Let's just tell the DC stories instead of trying to make it all social commentary. You can work some social commentary in. I'm not even against that technically. But you got to make sure that it flows and that it's a legitimate part of the story. I, over at Marvel, they've done this all the time in the comics. The whole notion of the X-Men as a whole is it's practically all social commentary. In the earliest days of the comic, when you were telling X-Men stories, a lot of that really did kind of get a little on the nose. And it got to the point where the that particular book kind of fell out of favor and the uh, Avengers became more popular. And here we are talking about social stuff. I feel like this should just be bonus content stuff and uh, – I really do have an actual news story that I was going to talk about, and I just kind of got sucked down into this entertainment zone. Uh, but, you know, again, this is culture. And why shouldn't we discuss culture from time to time, especially culture that a lot of us can enjoy? I mean, if you are in the same age group that I am in, there's a really good chance that you grew up as a fan of X-Men, the animated uh, series on Fox and uh, – and the uh, Spider-Man animated stuff, and a lot of this cool stuff, a lot of great things that then led you into the world of comics from there instead of vice versa. And you got a lot of um, a lot of understanding of actual real world interactions and and personal struggles and how bigotry actually works through the use of these characters. So a lot of the storytelling that they're looking to do is important. It's good stuff. There is a place for it. But you can't just smack some crap out there and say, okay, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to make it. You get so worked up about what you're putting into the story that you forget to kind of just tell the story itself and let it be good. Then uh, naturally you run into that issue. The second Suicide Squad movie, much better movie. Even though the... The general fight scene at the end was a little more over the top and almost cartoonish and all that. But the movie itself, the storyline, it was more organic and it felt more like a Suicide Squad story. So, you know, James Gunn, he works his magic again. He's done great things with Guardians of the Galaxy and then... Uh, he did good with uh, Suicide Squad and uh, even the Peacemaker show over on HBO Max. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with the Peacemaker character from before watching this or having watched the second Suicide Squad movie, you get the introduction there. It, it's a different level. And while that particular type of story, much like the uh, Doom Patrol, it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's certainly not the normal DC fair where you're expecting to see Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Uh, it's still good storytelling. It's just, you know, a little more crude, a little more uh, violent, and uh, all those things that typically get comics uh, criticized for. But the storytelling's better. So more people like it. 
More people are watching. They, people will tolerate violence and profanity and, and other things they typically don't want in their entertainment as long as you're telling a good story. As soon as the story goes south, though, people, people are done. And if you don't start out at a strong place, then you're going to be terrible. And that's, that's where Disney is kind of messed up everywhere but Marvel because Disney, they took over Star Wars. They have not treated Star Wars as well. And it's been a fight uh, from – according to insiders as far as what John Favreau and uh, Mr. Uh, Filoni have been having to do. Uh, they were constantly butting heads with Kathleen Kennedy when Disney had put her in charge, and and she literally had no respect or even desire for the original Star Wars fans to continue to be fans of Star Wars. She wanted to change it. I I don't understand how an entity like Disney is going to spend millions of dollars to to purchase the ownership rights to a brand like Star Wars and then turn around and not respect what brings the value to that brand. The value of Star Wars isn't people liking Luke Skywalker. It's not people saying, hey, that Han Solo, he's a lovable uh, rapscallion. It's not people saying, hey, that Princess Leia looks awful good on that uh, Jabba the Hutt barge. Now, that what brings value to Star Wars, what brings value to Star Trek, what brings value to Marvel, what brings value to DC is the fandom, the people that love it. And if you do not show at least some level of respect for the fandom, you're going to end up having lost a lot of money and having no value left and quite possibly – running these brands into the ground to the point that there is no no way back for them. Now, if that's your intention, Disney, you're just going to throw a bunch of money at stuff that you want to destroy instead of possibly making lots and lots of money with a valuable brand, then, hey, interesting choice. Probably not the most effective. Guess I probably should go ahead and take the mid-hour break. I really can't believe I went down that rabbit hole like that. But, you know, here it is. It's Thursday. I know technically uh, most of the radio listeners are going to be listening to the first hour today on Friday. They're not even going to be here. So I almost feel like it's the weekend right now. So it's like, hey, let's just be a little more relaxed. Hope you guys don't mind. Uh, we, we don't talk enough culture here lately. And, uh, you know, politics is downstream from culture. We, we need to be fighting the culture war. And anyway, let's take that mid-hour break right about now. And then I'll get back to that actual story that still has to do with wokeness when I get back. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. Go, <laughs> Brandon. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, 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 well, I'm thanking you. No, no. I promise you. The president has a big stick. I 
keep forgetting I'm president. According to certain very concerned people, our freedoms are soon to be doomed. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, you want in your cup. Ever since the founding of the United States of America, there has been a sinister cluster of Masonic globalist pigs seeking to kill, steal from, and destroy this land of liberty. Eventually, they formed the Democrat Party of slavery, urban slums, Jim Crow, and today's flat-out communism. So now Democrats, along with rhino Republicans, are alleged to be allied with the World Health Organization that, according to some, weaponized the Corona China virus in order to eliminate our unalienable rights and overthrow America's national sovereignty. Without the permission of we the people, by the way, the Biden regime signed over our medical decision-making authority to the World Health Organization. The Democrats and rhinos are united with the World Health Organization's plot to enact a permanent state of emergency throughout the United States and the world, all because the elites like Charles Schwab, Bill Gates, and others seek to either enslave or eliminate us. To that I say, no way, Jose. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee... Go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela, where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks. Because not too long ago, they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system. And if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions. Schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also, yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy, and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action. 
and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones, all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. Things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. They're much getting walked back. It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know none of the three occurred. None of the three. Occurred. None of the three. With the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they uh, Russia moved into. Uh, in, in the southeast, southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you've, you've been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons. Could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would, re it would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. And we know none of the three occurred. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, sleepy Joe, now's the time, don't you know, to get into a new kind of dream. You can rest your head on the corner of your bed, you can watch the world go by. But you're never gonna see what the other people see, if you're always gonna be a dog-faced pony soldier. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break, uh, although it was a bit longer than the usual. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just busy being a line dog-faced pony soldier, whatever that remains to be. Before we jump back into things, though, I would like to remind you that grilling season is upon us. And if you're the kind of person that likes to grill food uh, but likes to be on the go, then I think you probably ought to visit our friends over at Fire and Flavor because they have some very interesting solutions available to help you out with grilling and going. It's basically called the Hero Grill System. Now, I'm going to remind you, in the show description, there will be a link 
Uh, depending on where you're listening, whatever platform you're listening to the podcast at, uh, in the show description, part of that link may be live. If the whole thing isn't, then I'm going to ask you to just copy the whole link, paste that into your web browser, and go visit. That way, they know I sent you. And if for some reason you can't do that, uh, maybe you're busy right now, maybe you're riding around in your car listening to the podcast or your phone, whatever you may be doing, uh, then just come visit me later at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth.com. And uh, on the homepage, there will be some banners that you can just click on there, and that'll work just the same. There's also uh, a few in various other parts of the uh, website, like uh, supporting Tap Into the Truth. You'll see banners there as well. Easy enough to find. So just come visit me there. But before uh, we pass along, I highly recommend you just visit the website, see all the great things they have. From the grill to the additives uh, like rubs, seasonings, uh, the charcoals they have available, uh, all that stuff. You just you really need to remember that the Hero Grill system, it was designed to be the easiest compact portable charcoal grill on the market. It includes a rugged carrying case and bamboo cutting board. It's innovative. The innovative Hero Charcoal pods, they capture the mess of grilling and provide a convenient way to pack up when grilling on an adventure. All the tools that you need, you can pack up into the very thoughtfully designed carrying case, including the charcoal pods. No lighter fluid or starter fluid is needed. And now, with the convenient Hero uh, briquette sleeves... It's a super easy way to take grilling on the go and to reuse your Hero Charcoal Pods. The more charcoal you add, the hotter your grill gets. The eco-friendly and instantly awesomely light Hero Charcoal Briquettes are ready in 10 minutes. Patented, it is there. You've got a pack-tight waterproof carrying case. You've got a swift-flip, non-stick, dishwasher-safe Hero Grill. You've got disposable, eco-friendly charcoal pods. You have a sear-temp-nested multi-use thermometer, bamboo spatula, Bamboo cutting board. All this is just part of the Hero Grill system itself. That's not even all the other great things you can get there. So, again, just go over, visit the website, see for yourself what they have to offer. And trust me, you're going to end up loving what you see. And I'm asking you to use my link to take you there just so that they know I sent you. That way, that beautiful little win-win, you know, where you get a great new... uh, grilling system that you can take with you on the go easily they get a great new customer that's you Uh, then we turn that uh, into a win-win-win because then uh, i get to uh, you know i get to know that i brought you guys together and i get a tiny reward that helps to support the show Uh, that's it not not so terrible is it all right let's uh let's get back to it now um Here's the thing. We were talking about wokeness and how it's crept into media and culture earlier, but uh, it may come as a surprise to folks like the ones running Disney right now, but uh, a lot of Americans 
kind of have a distaste for wokeness. Now, a few may realize that the ideology may soon be invading the retirement accounts and, you know, siphoning off their taxpayer dollars. Uh, they, they may be a few that realize that at this point, but most Americans just don't like wokeness because they don't like being bullied. And whether you want to admit it or not, the whole woke mentality does exactly that. But you see, it's important that you should know that your retirement accounts now are very much the land of the woke. Taxpayer dollars are being moved uh, to woke causes as well. Uh, just recently, and again, shouting out to KYAH, although this hour is bonus content and you guys won't get to hear it directly, love having Utah. It's one of the flagship uh, locations for the show on terrestrial radio. But the Utah State Treasurer, uh, Marlo Oaks, uh, Marlo pointed out that in, in, in a recent op-ed that, uh, that Oaks wrote for the Wall Street Journal, that the uh, S&P Global Ratings, that happens to be the nation's largest credit rating firm, well, that they've already begun applying the ESG rating system to states' finances. And they put this in place. It makes absolute no difference at all what the true budgetary conditions for the states are. The ESG rating system, they don't care about the actual financials. And again, in case you're still trying to figure out, maybe you've heard us talk about ESGs and you're still not getting We're talking about environmental, social, and governance rating system. It's ESG idea. It is a way of trying to bully companies into being more woke. It was initially put in place to try and help discourage people from investing in companies that, I don't know, maybe make firearms or uh, perhaps drills for oil or runs coal mines. Ooh, those companies aren't worth investing in because they're hurting the earth. Well, thing is about investing is if you're going to put your money there, you typically just want a return. Generally speaking, when you're investing in a company, you want them to be profitable. Now, that's not to say that you don't want a company that could possibly have a huge negative impact on the environment to be as safe as possible, to take the steps necessary to provide uh, a economically conscious effort and then find a way to be profitable after that. But that's still not the same thing as uh, jumping through a whole bunch of unnecessary hoops that uh, is more about signaling virtue than living virtue. The fact that uh, S&P Global started doing this directed at states was also an effort to try and force states into being more blue. If you're a red state, if you're here in Tennessee, guess what? Uh, Tennessee's uh, state credit rating uh, not going to have a dang thing to do with the uh, budgetary conditions, but that ESG score is going to drive you way down. Now, the system itself purports to be objective, but we kind of know better than that, don't we? Well, Oaks and other Republican state treasurers, they kind of contend that the progressive ESG metrics are giving investment funds an excuse to discriminate against states with conservative values. 
I think that's probably putting the whole thing a bit mildly. Quoting here, uh, they are calling attention to political factors that are subjective and that opens the door to being able to borrow in the capital markets at a less advantageous rate than would be indicated by the credit rating itself. Oaks is just basically trying to tell you the truth here. Common ESG objectives pursued by corporations may involve, uh, you know, setting certain green energy commitments or tapping a certain number of women to serve as executives. In essence, ESG conforms the nation's most influential companies to a progressive agenda. Even if political or social activism has nothing to do with their brand identities or corporate missions. It seems to me that most businesses, if you're not involved directly with a issue, probably should avoid getting involved because you're going to be alienating uh, a significant part of your uh, potential target customer base, right? But then that's us talking about fiduciary responsibilities and not putting enough focus on concern for the earth. Gaia, Gaia, protect us. We need you, Gaia. At any rate, quoting Oaks again from Utah, it has the potential to increase the bond costs for states that don't align with the underlying ESG ideology. Currently, Utah has a AAA bond rating from rating agencies. You know, S&P, Moody's, Fitch. But for states like West Virginia, which ranked among the top six states for energy production as of 2019 at least according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, well, then ESG funds pushing green power are particularly threatening uh, to employment and public finances. They don't like West Virginia's coal mining. Quoting again, this time West Virginia's state treasurer, Riley Moore, quote, they're trying to punish us based on our culture our economy, and our industries, making it more expensive for us to do things like build schools, build roads, build hospitals. You know, all those types of projects that get bonds floated out there for them. They're trying to coerce us into conforming to their agenda, and they're doing that by trying to financially punish us. Now, Moore was alluding to the rising cost of gas and saying that the United States and around the world amid the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which occurs as the Biden administration has nixed expansion to the Keystone XL pipeline and dragged its feet on issuing oil and gas permits. So do you think that might have something to do with the rising gas prices? Do you think that rising fuel costs gas and diesel might contribute to the rising cost of every single thing that's uh, being transported to your local store, you know, your area where you purchase these items. 
if it costs more to get it there, you're going to have to charge more for it. That's that's the way that works in the real world. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know why there is anyone left that hasn't put this particular two and two together. Uh, even if you still think it comes out to five, it's hard to miss. You can round down and get this one right. Anyway, more remarked, back to quoting more. If we're going to be an energy-independent country, you need states like West Virginia. We could be helping our allies over in Europe if these people would just let us build pipelines and get gas out of West Virginia. Now, Moore said that the green energy is, quote, a rich man's problem, noting the increased use of fossil fuels in China and India. Even if West Virginia makes an effort to align itself with ESG objectives, Moore still says, quote, they'll just move the goalpost again, you know, until fossil fuels are eliminated. That is their plan. They have said so. It's not something that they'll deny. They, they're not hiding the ball on this one, guys. They've told us that's their plan. Joe Biden said it when he was running for president again, you know, the last time. He said it. He also said he wasn't going to do it, but he said he's going to end the coal industry. And then when he was asked in West Virginia, he said, oh, no, no, nobody's eliminating anything. Of course, this is also the guy who coined the phrase, learn to code. Well, those, those people working in the coal mines, they, they need to, to learn some new skills. They should learn to code. Meanwhile, Missouri State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick, well, uh, Scott expressed concern over ESG funding, uh, well, the ESG funds uh, condemning states with pro-life cultures especially as the Supreme Court reportedly prepares to overturn Roe v. Wade, and we'll see how that ends up. But stockholders for Walmart, Lowe's, and other retailers were urged to consider abortion-related proposals at their most recent shareholder meetings. Quoting again, this is uh, Fitzpatrick, those decisions really have nothing to do with the underlying credit equity of a state government or of a corporation that is operating in that state. If they succeed in making this a key component of how financial institutions look at credit risk, then it's going to drive up the cost for taxpayers in states that don't subscribe to the ideology that we should intentionally hamstring our own economies in the name of environmentalism or some type of social issue. Now, Oaks, back to Oaks in Utah, cast doubt on the notion that uh, most investors have a favorable attitude towards ESG. In fact, according to an exclusive poll that was conducted by the Daily Wire and Echelon Insights that showed just this past week, uh, I actually meant to talk about it, and I don't think I ever got around to that. But it showed that most American investors would rather see companies' sole purpose be the pursuit of profits rather than opine on political matters. Quoting once again, this from Utah's Oaks, I would say most investors don't want this. 
I believe most investors will look at the credit rating of a state and look at whether they're going to get paid back or not. That is their fiduciary obligation, and most people that operate in the capital markets still believe in that standard. There are some that are not, and those are the ones that are out there creating the problem. But I believe it's a minority. Well, Mr. Oates, I certainly hope that that's the case. In alignment with Oak's suspicion, a strong margin of investors, uh, 66%, versus roughly 20%, uh, support the right of individual investors to opt out of SEG-style SEG style investments, at least according to that same Daily Wire poll that I mentioned earlier. Most investors also prefer to focus on profits instead of ESG when they select assets of their own. Now, the Nebraska State Treasurer, John... Uh, Moraine, uh, well, he said that the American people are undergoing a great awakening. This is a great awakening to the dangers of woke investing due to criticism from high-profile business leaders like Elon Musk. Now, Musk has called ESG fraudulent, and he's argued that its standards, uh, quote, have been twisted into insanity. At the end of the day, most people don't want their retirement accounts invested for political purposes. They want to invest in a way that will achieve the best return for their investment. I mean, if you're going to take the time to do investing, if you're going to offer up the cash flow to invest, then that should be the goal. I mean, there's a reason why the stock market used to be a more reliable way of building wealth than simply putting your funds and savings. Certainly better than just sticking it under a mattress or putting it in a jar and burying it in the backyard kind of thing that I, believe it or not, still know some folks that do. I do live in East Tennessee, y'all. Uh, there are still some strange customs that some folks haven't given up yet. But at the end of the day, you should invest. You've recently heard me uh, throwing out pitches for Honey Fund and for uh, Second Skull and for uh, a Full Circle Brewing Company and uh, Bean Stocks and some of these other – these are companies that I've invested in, a very small equity stake, not even enough that I'm legally required to, to reveal that when I do those pitches. But I do those pitches because – now that I have skin in that particular game, I would like to bring you into it. And, uh, you know, I do have the potential financial gain from you guys becoming customers of those companies. It's the same thing when you're investing directly in the stock market. You're still buying companies or you're buying into exchange-traded funds. And what those funds do is they buy a whole bunch of different companies. You know, sometimes you just get full-blown diversity in certain funds. Sometimes you buy up a bunch of different uh, companies within a similar industry. Now, that's not ideal diversity there, but it does provide you the opportunity to divest to a certain extent and uh, give you gives you a hedge in case one of the companies looks really good and falls apart. But you know the others hopefully won't, and so there's some safety there. 
kind of why I like uh, the Beanstalks app, and I will not have a link in the show description there, but I have them in some of the other show descriptions, so you can look that up, or you can visit tapintothetruth.com and uh, go to the uh, Friends and Sponsors page, and there'll be a little thing you can click there. Now, it still comes down to this ESG. Uh, Elon Musk is right. It's fraudulent. It's it's literally strong-arming you. And what happens more often than not, if you invest your retirement through a company like BlackRock, well, they're leveraging your money. It's not even their money. They're using your money to leverage, uh, to try to force people into doing their leftist goal agenda and and they're they're wielding the power in the form of your dollars. But this is your power. And you need to take that power back from them. They don't deserve it. Now, that means that some of you need to pay close attention to how you're invested for retirement. If you have a retirement plan that's being operated by your company, you need to ask for the details and look in Maybe opt out and get your own 401k or whatever you need to do, but you need to control this investment. Take your power back. Now, I'd highly recommend everybody get involved in investing, but like we said in the last broadcast, in the current economy, almost nobody can save anything. And its I'm afraid it's only going to get worse upcoming. If you're not already uh, prepared, if you're not already visiting My Patriot Supply, then you're not too late yet, but you are late to the game. You need to get prepared because between natural disasters and potential civil unrest and just continued hiccups in the supply chains, there are plenty of reasons for you to want to be better prepared. And I guess I probably need to put the My Patriot Supply link, uh, the affiliate link for the show to them too in the show description now. Regardless of all that, the bottom line here is ESG was part of the Great Reset. It's a powerful tool that's already been employed, and it's been put in place. And the idea is to first bully all the companies into getting more woke and then to start forcing us as individuals to do so. And the states are right now feeling that wrath too. Every state needs to be pushing back against uh, the ESG scoring they did not invest their state pensions with companies that engage in the activity. Uh, companies like BlackRock need to be totally divested. Those are the people that need to be defunded. And meanwhile, that's going to have to be it. We are two hours uh, in the books at this point. So, again, if you made it this long, thank you so much for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate your time and energy. Uh, go out into the world and do the things that we need to do. You know. It's up to us. Do not give up. Do not get downtrodden. Uh, we're going to win in the end. It's that simple. It's just going to be some uh, some hard roads right now. But but we do win. Just just don't give up. And don't throw your hands in the air. Yeah, that's not the attitude. We just have to keep working. There are plenty of our fellow Americans who have been misled by these folks. We can save some of them. Now, maybe not all of them, but we can save a good number of them. So let's do it. Strong messaging. 
Let's do it. All right, that's going to have to be it. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, hey, Uncle Joe. This is Tim Tap. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Using both hands Founders knew the second amendment Was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact So we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Maloney, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 It gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Is using both hands.